and wonderful and peaceful and his affections for us gives us freedom. Amen. Let's raise our hands and magnify the Lord this morning. We just want to bless you. We want to honor you. We want to exalt you, God, because you are king of all kings, Lord of all lords, Jesus. Thank you, God, for watching over us and keeping us, Lord, from ourselves even, Lord God, from the world. We just want to bless you. We just want to worship you. We want to magnify your name in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, we bless you. 
folks in here that are thankful for the freedom. Oh, I don't believe you. Do I have just a few folks that are just happy that they are free, free in their mind, free in their body, free that God has restored. Oh, put your hands together, Church of Pentecost. You are free. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. You ought to rejoice this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God, praise God. Praise the Lord. Look over to your neighbor and say, I am free this morning. I am free, I am free, I am free. No shackles holding me. Why don't you just shake loose a little bit? Just shake the shackles. I know you're tired, you got turkey on you. Can we just shake off the shackles and be free this morning? Audience, this morning. Talking about freedom. Can we just give the Lord just another shout of praise? Lord, in prayer this morning, uh, as we do always when we keep in prayer, our missionary brother and sister Tier, uh, as well as the Andersons over in, in uh, Brazil, pray for that. And we want to also keep our pastors, brother and sister Olson and their family um, in prayer as they're out getting some, some much needed uh, rest. We do love our pastor around here. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them in prayer. We're going to also remember to pray for all the folks that are, uh, I know there's some sickness. Praise God. Just a few of us 
Bible reminds us in James, and sometimes that need may not be physical. Sometimes that need may be just a mental thing. Praise the Lord. Let's go before the Lord. God, to step in, Lord God, and begin to walk the aisles, Lord God, of your saints. Lord God, we ask you on life, Lord God, and we know we have so much to be thankful for, Lord. Lord God, but this morning, Lord, keep us awake at night, Lord God, the things that we ponder with, Lord, the things that we struggle with, Lord God. Lord God, this morning, age, we ask you to keep your hands upon our missionaries. Keep your hands on brother and sister Olson, Lord. Continue to undergird them with strength, Lord God. Fresh anointing and fresh power. You, we hunger and thirst, Lord God, to see folks' lives changed, Lord. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Bible sweet through our departments. In the name of Jesus, we honor you, Lord. And we give you the praise being worthy. And we honor you this morning. Praise the name of the may be seated. At this time, we have a video to show you. Every church starts as a church plant. And it's in April of 1992, and we held services in our home for the first few weeks. It took time. It was slow, but slowly but surely, we saw God. is to have many different churches. In North America. Praise God, praise God. Chris specific or it had no consistent source of funding. Best gift during Christmas time for Jesus. The first missions in 1966. As a result, a nearby was created in 1967. In 1966, the offering raised million was raised. As we saw in the video for a second, because some of you may say, hey, we just gave for uh, Sheets for Christ or Move the Mission. Uh, what's the difference? Whereas Christmas for Christ is for North American missions. And so that's the difference in your American church planners. Start new churches. This year... Keep in mind while you are going out and you are buying your Christmas gifts for your loved ones, for your family, for your friends, maybe even neighbors, coworkers, allocate some of that money for Christmas for Christ and let's give our best gift to Jesus this year. As you can see on the stage, there are different envelopes that are numbered from $1 all the way up to 10000 Talk to God. Number one, talk to the Lord. Figure out how much the Lord is leading you to give, and then come and give your best offering. The due date for this offering is December 18th. Don't worry, we will give you reminders. But on the envelopes, you will see it has a number amount. You may say, hey, I wanted to give $100. I don't see the $100 envelope up here. Well, then take two $50 envelopes. Well, two $50 envelopes are up there. Well, then take an envelope and put exceedingly abundantly above all in that envelope, more than the amount that you're going to give. Let, let us make sure that we are giving a sacrificial offering, and we aren't just doing this to check the box, but we are keeping in mind the reason for the season. We are keeping in mind why we are doing this, why we are giving to North American missionary planners. This is the reason that why we are giving for Christmas for Christ, and you will be blessed every time we give unto the Lord. Praise God, saints.
great sky. I see you stepped over that $10,000 envelope. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You will be blessed. You know, keep in mind when uh, Brother and Sister Olson came to, to Jacksonville, Christmas was Christ was some partners that helped them uh, get all that we're ex experiencing and having here. So Christmas for Christ is a wonderful thing for ch planting churches here in North America. Anybody glad that the Olsons came? Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it's a wonderful thing. If, you're on, if your special number is not up here, you know, and I, I, I like to come up here and I close my eyes and I just grab one and I say, well, Lord, Whatever this crazy amount is, I know you're going to help me raise this money up. And he always comes through. So I'm not encouraging to have that kind of crazy faith, but maybe I am. So when we take up this morning's offering, you guys can come up here and grab uh, one of these envelopes to give towards Christmas for Christ. Amen? Amen? I'd like to have a few announcements this morning. I'd like to welcome all of our guests uh, here at Church of Pentecost this Sunday morning. <laughs> On behalf of our pastors, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us uh, this uh, Thanksgiving holiday. We'd like to get an opportunity to meet you uh, in Greece. I know we have some folks here from, from out of town. Please don't be in a rush. Uh, this morning, we'd like to have an opportunity to meet you in our vestibule uh, there to uh, get to know you just a little bit better. Amen. We pray that you'll leave this place encouraged, um, inspired, uh, and in, uh, just happy that you were here uh, this morning, that your life can be affected by the move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to also make mention that there will be no p.m. service, uh, no 6 p.m. service uh, tonight. But we'll be having prayer uh, here in this building uh, this Tuesday at 7 o'clock um, for prayer. And we'll be uh, also remind you of the Christmas banquet, uh, which is December the 2nd, this Friday at uh, uh, 7 p.m. If you haven't signed up yet, I believe there's a sign-up table there uh, in the foyer. You can do so uh, this morning. Uh, we always have a great time at our uh, Christmas banquet, so I do encourage you, if you've never been or you haven't signed up, go ahead and uh, take advantage of this opportunity. Amen? Amen. Pray. Reminds us to give to the Lord, old families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Lord, we thank you this morning for all that you've done for us this in our lives. Lord, cause the windows of heaven to open and to pour out showers of blessings as you to support not only our families, but to continue to bless your kingdom.
think about the goodness of the Lord, I got to thank you on my lips. I got to thank you on my tongue. How many of you really know that God is, has been good to you? I'm not talking about you think about it, but I'm talking about you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has been good to you. And if God has been good to you, I want you to give him a big praise. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I love you, God. I appreciate you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I pray that each of you had a wonderful, blessed Thanksgiving with friends, family, and and had plenty to eat in America. You know, that's we're one of the ble- we're the blessed country, one of the blessed countries in the world. We have so much to be thankful to God for, and it's a blessing to be just to be able to be in this great country that God has had given us. And uh, so, I just want to say thank you, Jesus, Lord. We love you so much. We appreciate for all that you do, God. Just just help us to always be thankful for all the things that you do for us. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. I'm a a few minutes. I just want, first of all, I just want to, again, I want to piggyback on what Brother uh, Tim Cole said. Our guests will, so if you're a guest this morning, on behalf of our pastors, we're always, we're always honored and so glad to see you to come and be with us this morning. And we want to say we appreciate that today. Amen. God has truly, truly been, been good to us. And thank you for being here. And I also want to uh, give honor to our pastors, brother and sister Rosen, I thank them this morning for their opportunity to be up here and, and pass this absence. And, uh, you know, I appreciate them so much. I thank them for all the things that they do in ministry, the leadership that they provide, the guidance they give, the insight and, into the word of God and things that help us to grow and stay strong in the Lord. And I want to also honor all of our, our, our leadership team and our ministry and leadership team and all that they do, I understand. Ken, Kit Rocks is, is, is going on this morning, and I want to honor them today for all the work they do. All the Sunday school teachers, I appreciate and honor you this morning, and uh, all everybody that's involved in, in ministry that do ministry, no matter what you do, uh, singing the choir, singing the uh, chorale, praise singers, whatever. We want to give honor to you. Amen. We thank you for all that you do. Most of all, we thank you for your, your commitment to the kingdom of God and your love for God. And, uh, and that's, a, that's an honor. So we just want to honor everybody and all. And then we want to honor all the saints. Amen. We honor all the saints of God in the house of God today. We thank you for being here. And uh, thank you for your love for God and your commitment to the kingdom of God. If you got your Bibles, won't you stand? with me for the reading of the word and going to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings for a few minutes. And uh, with the help of God, I just want to teach on, uh, uh, on this lesson. But on Genesis chapter 7, verse, verses 1 through 7, Genesis 7, 1 through 7, reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible, Genesis, the book, the book of beginnings, the first book of the Bible. And Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 reads, It says, then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. 
You shall take with you seven, each of every clean animal, a male and his female, to each of every animal that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. This morning, for a few minutes, with the help of the Lord, I want to talk on this subject. Come into the ark. Come into the ark. Let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I stand here this morning in your name. I stand here this morning in the absence of Pastor Rosen. And Father, truly, without you, I can do nothing of myself. Father, as always, I need you in everything that I do. I pray, God, this morning that you will help me to get through this, this lesson, that I pray that I can say something that will inspire, that will encourage, that will strengthen the, the saints of God, that will help us to know the urgency of the time that we live in. God, I thank you this, today, and God, we give you the praise and the glory for whatever takes place today in this service and throughout. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Come into the ark. <clears throat> Verse 7 of Genesis, uh, God is given an invitation to Noah. He says, come into the ark. And so Noah and his wives and his sons went into the ark. And the reason they went into the ark was because of the floodwaters that was upon the face of of the earth. You know, as we look at our world today and we look at all the things in our world, we look at the crime, we look at the lawlessness, we look at all the uh, hunger, phantom, um, we, we look at the, the confusion and the destruction that we have in our world today. You know, these things that we're facing as a nation and as a people should compel us to want to come into the ark. The ark was a place of, of shelter. It was a place of protection. It was a place where you could survive during the storm. The ark was a safe place it was the safest place to be during the storm. The ark was, was built to survive the storm. And the reason why the ark was built to, one of the reasons why the ark was built to survive the storm was God was the one that gave direction to Noah on how to build the ark. So that when the floodwaters 
begin to rise, begin to rain, and the flood waters begin to rise. It was that so that the ark would would begin would stay afloat. Uh, Jesus, I, the Matthew chapter sixteen, verse eighteen also says. Jesus says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of haze, uh, hell shall not prevail against it. You see, just like the ark, the church is a safe place. You see, it's, it's, a, it's a place of refuge. It's, it's a place of protection from the things are outside forces of the world. And so when you build your life upon Jesus, you can survive any storm. Oh, you don't hear me today, Church of Pentecost. I say when you build your life upon Jesus, you can survive any storm. You see, the art can somewhat relate to the church you know, just like the ark, the church is a place of refuge. It's a place of safety. It's a place of protection from the storms of life. And it's a place where you can find strength when you are weak. It's a place where you can find light when you are in darkness. It's a place where you can feel that empty void in your life, in your soul which belong to God. See, the church is a place of salvation, where you can find salvation. When we talk about the flood, the flood waters just didn't cover parts of the earth. The Bible says it's, it covered the whole earth. And, and we think about Jesus when he talked about his second coming. He refers to the flood. You know, that's something that the church doesn't preach about as much anymore. We don't hear too many sermons anymore about the second coming of Christ. But I'm here to tell you that whether you believe it or not, or whether you want to or not, he is coming back. He's coming back. And Jesus refers to his coming as to the flood during the times of Noah. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 through 39 Jesus says, he says, but of that day and, 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 and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. He said, but my father only. He's talking about his return. He said, no, nobody knows the, the exact hour. Nobody knows the exact day. He said, not even the angels don't even know. Amen. Uh, of heaven, no. He said, but my father, no. But he knows when he's coming back. But he said, but then he goes on and he says, but as the days of Noah were, he was referring to the flood and the times of Noah. He said, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be coming of the Son of Man. He said, for as in the days of the, before the flood, he said, before the flood, they were eating and, uh, and, and they were drinking and they were marrying and they was giving in marriage until the day up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know. They did not know because they were so caught up into their life. 
so caught up with the things that they were doing. And Jesus said, until the flood came and took them all away. He said, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. He tells us what the condition of the world would be like when he returns. He says it's going to be just like the days of Noah. I don't know whether you understand it or not. I don't know if you believe it or not. But I'm here to tell you we are living in like the days of Noah. The people in, 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 in Noah's time, the people today, were just like the people during the times of Noah. People today, we are so consumed with, with eating and, 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 and drinking and throwing parties and, and having a good time and, and giving in to the pleasures of life. That's how we are. That's how we are. one of the things we are today. We pleasures. We, it's all about pleasures. It's all about self. Satisfying our, our, our inner, our flesh. Satisfying what we want. People are busy in, in, in marrying and giving in marriage. People, people are busy and, 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 and they're busy trying to make money. Getting rich. Busy in buying and selling and, and going here and there and busy with the routines of life. Just like the days of Noah. Jesus says, say, my coming is going to be just like the days of Noah. People are giving, you know, and the thing about it today, we, we're so busy with the things of life and the things of the world. And we, we have, we'll have very little time. Most people have very little time for the things of God. Because why? Because they're so consumed with life. They're so consumed with the world and the things that the world has to offer. And so they find that they have very little time to give to the Lord and the things of God. You see, what happens when, you, when we're so caught up into the world and we're so caught up into the things of the world and the, the pledges of life and what the world offers and what, what we can get from life, it blinds us. It blinds us. Spiritually. So you see, the world binds our spiritual sight to what we are no longer looking and are expecting the return of Christ. That's what happens. It blinds us. The world blinds us. The pledges of life blinds us. The, the business of life blinds us because we're so busy trying to get here and, and trying to get that and to begin to try to do this and do that. And it blinds us to what we forget about. We don't even see the coming of the Lord. And when Jesus said he's coming, he said, I'm coming like a thief in the night. I'm here to tell you, he's coming. He's coming. Whether we, whether, like, whether, as I said, whether you want him to or not, whether, you, uh, whether you're ready or not, whether you believe it or not, he's coming. Jesus said that until the day, he said, people continue to do 
all the things that they wanted to do. They, want, they continued to live just like they wanted to live up until the day, up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And what happened to the people that they were not concerned, nor did they understand what was happening. They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand the things that, that Noah was trying to say to them and the things that Noah was trying to plead to them up until the day of the flood. And the floodwaters took them all away. They didn't, they were, they, they were, when, they seen, when, when they saw the rain begin to fall, It surprised them what was happening, but they were warned by Noah. So Jesus said, all these is going to be just like the coming of the Son of Man. Just like these people weren't concerned during Noah's time when Noah began to compel them and preach to them what God had told them that it was going to rain. They didn't believe it because they didn't, never saw it rain. Never saw it rain. It's the same today with most people of the world today. They are not concerned about the Christ's return. It doesn't even fade them. It doesn't, give, it doesn't phase them one bit. Therefore, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 40, 2 and 44, he said, watch therefore, watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. Then he says in verse 43, he said, but know this. He said, first he said, watch, because you don't know what hour. So we got to watch. But he said, I want you to, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have been on watch. He, 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 wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been away from home or he wouldn't have been asleep. You know, he would have been away. From, he wouldn't have been at his house. He would have been on the lookout. He wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into. You see, because if you know a thief is coming, and he, you're going to be home prepared. You're going to be prepared. So Jesus says, therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is, is coming in an hour that you do not expect him to come. He's going to come at a time when we're not even expecting him to come. But, but he gives us all the signs, he said, you know, of, of his return. And we can see those signs, many of those signs right now, we can see them with our eyes. We, we can see them. We're living amongst the times. The writer in Hebrew, chapter 11, verse 7, he says this about Noah. He said, by faith, he's talking about Noah. You see, with Noah, you see, what he, all the, what he did, stepping out in faith to build the ark, he says, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not seen. He never saw it, that it rained. 
But God told him that it was going to rain. You see, Noah believed God. He believed the word of God. He believed what God said. And so he, 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 he moved with fear. And, and so he prepared an ark. He built an ark. You see, but God gave him, as I said earlier, God gave him the instruction on how to build the ark. But God, he, he moved with fear and he, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. You see, Noah, he had faith and he also had works. You know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. You see, when God told him that it was going to rain, Noah took action. He, be, he began to make preparations, you know, on the things that God had told him that he needed to make preparations on in building the ark. You see, and that's why it's so important to be in the house of God. The, the, the house of God helps prepare you. It helps prepare you for what's going to come. And see, Noah was prepared. And he heeded the warning of God and he moved with godly fear. The Bible says then he prepared an ark to save his household. And by his actions of faith, he condemned the world. You see, every time you come into the house of God, it's an act of faith. And you condemn the world. Every time you come into the house of God, it's an act of faith. And you condemn the world. Noah, the Bible says, was an, an heir of righteousness according to faith. You see, faith is action. By, you know, you, you put your faith, act, action, faith is action. And we look at 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 through 20. It talks about, it says for, it says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 18. It says, for Christ, Peter writing, said, also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might do what? Bring us to God. That's the reason why he suffered. That's, just, that's the reason why he went through what he went through. That's why he went to the cross, to bring us to bring you and I to God. So the Bible says, being, hit, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom, he, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient. Then once, then, then, then the verse says, then once the divine suffering waited in the days, talking about divine suffering waited in the days of Noah, why, why the ark was being prepared. in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through the waters. So the divine suffering of God kept waiting. What it was waiting for? It was waiting for mankind to repent. You see, God was waiting for the people during Noah's time to repent. You see, so that's, that's why the, the, the called divine suffering. 
You see, why, why Noah was building the ark, God was waiting on the people to repent. So God waited patiently for the people of Noah's day to repent and to turn from their wicked ways back to God, but it never happened during Noah's time. It never happened. But God was waiting. He was waiting. I believe that, you know, I believe that Noah pleaded with the people daily about the things, things that God had said. You know, for the Bible says that, well, they say 120 years that he preached. For 120 years he preached, and out of 120 years, think about it, only eight people, well, with Noah and his seven, his wives and his son, why seven, eight people were saved after preaching of 120 years. Just think about how hard, how hard the people's hearts had became. How corrupt the people's minds at that time had became. They didn't, they didn't listen. They wasn't listening at the, the man of God. They weren't listening at the preaching. Only eight people. From the time that Noah started building the ark until the time that it was finished. Only eight people were saved. First in Second Peter chapter two, verse five, Peter writes again, he says, and did not spare the ancient world. He is talking about the world before the flood. The ancient world. He did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. Can you imagine preaching 120 years without any success, without anybody repenting? I've seen Pastor Olson preach his heart out, telling people about repentance, water baptism, needing the Holy Ghost. People, a lot of people just walk out. Can you imagine the same way, I mean, Noah felt 120 years of preaching he pleaded daily with the people the words of God and spoke to them. And as he spoke, he didn't deviate from the word of God. He didn't deviate from the things that God had told them. He told them exactly, I believe, the word that God had told him. Second Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward us that not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. You see, the, the gracious God was working during that time of Noah. The grace of God was in effect. It was working. In Genesis chapter 7, in our scripture text, verse 1, it says, I, he said, I want you to, he said, I, he said to Noah, he said, come into the ark. The Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. And so the grace of God was working. You see, see that he said today, Noah, after he said, I want you to come into the ark. 
Today is the day for you to come into the ark because it's going to rain. And that's why the, the, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Not, not tomorrow, not next week, or not next year, but today. You know, a lot of people say, well, I got time. Maybe I got time. Maybe not today. I, I have, have heard people say I, they know they need to get baptized in Jesus' name. They say, but not today. They say, maybe next week or, 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 or maybe when I come back. Or some people know they need the Holy Ghost, but they say, not today. Um, you know, but God said to, to Noah, he said, today I want you to come into the ark. Because the Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the accepted time. Now, is, behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And so we must not delay. We must seize the opportunity when it is available. Today is the day of salvation. We must not put it off because we don't know what tomorrow holds. Just like God said, Lord, today is the day for you to come into the ark. You see, Noah was faithful. You know, can you imagine living amongst a world? You know, you know everywhere you go during that time was wickedness. Every, the Bible said man's heart was wickedly continuously. And Noah and his family living amongst all of that wickedness. Can you imagine? You know, but the Bible says it, it didn't affect, it, you know, Noah didn't let what they was doing affect him. He didn't, he didn't let how they was living affect him. You know, they, were, they weren't living for God. They weren't, they weren't thinking about God. They weren't trying to live for God, but Noah did not let it affect him. So, Noah was faithful, so God said that he was, he was, he was righteous. He said, I have seen, he told Noah, he said, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation, Noah. You see, God is always, as Pastor Preacher a, 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 a week or so ago, God is always looking for those who, heart, have, who has a heart toward God. You see, God is looking for people that has a heart for God. And so God said to Noah, he said, I have seen, Noah, I seen you, Noah, that you are righteous before me in this generation. That's an awesome word to hear from God, considering how wicked the, the world was during the time of Noah. Genesis chapter 6 and 89 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Was Noah, was a Noah, was Noah, the Bible says he was perfect in his generation. In his generation, he was, a, he was perfect. And the thing was that he walked with God. You know, it, to be able to walk with God in the midst of, of, of all the things that we face today, you know, I always say it takes a, a, a man, it takes a strong man and it takes a strong woman to live for God. In, in the world that we live in. 
You're not a weakling. Somebody might say, oh, you use, you use, you use, you use God as a crutch or you use the church as a crutch. No, it takes a strong man. It takes a strong woman to, to live for God and to walk with God in the midst of a wicked world. The world may call you weak, but you're not weak. They're the weak ones. You are the strong ones. Oh. So Noah walked with God in a wicked world. He had a heart for God. He was faithful to the things of God. You know, it takes faith to listen and to also obey God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, Jesus says that we ought to enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And, many, and there be many who go in by it. But he said, Jesus said, enter by, enter through the narrow gate. You see, you know, everyone wants everything in life to be easy. Yeah, we want everything in life to be easy. We live in it, you know, because of, of the world that we live in, you know, they, make, they try to make things easy, you know, technology, and, and it becomes so easy until a lot of times, it, 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 be honest with you, it makes us lazy because everything so easy. We get frustrated. You go into the, people don't want to stand in line anymore for anything, which they don't have to. They can go online and order it and have it delivered to their house. So if they have to go into a store for, and stand in line, uh, for anything, and if the line is not moving fast enough, they get discouraged and they walk away because, because life itself has made things a lot easier. So, but Jesus says we got to enter in by the narrow gate, you see. Uh, but living for God is not always going to be easy. No, it's not going to always be easy. You see, living for God is not about you, but it's about him. See, a lot of times we want to make God all about us. It's about I don't feel like this. I don't feel like I need to do this. I don't feel like it today. We make it about us, but it's not about us, but it's really about him. So Jesus said we got to enter by the narrow gate. Few people enter that narrow gate. We want things to be convenient for, for them. Everything must fit into our schedule. If it don't fit my schedule, I'm not going to be a part of it. That's the way the world is today. If, if it don't fit me, I don't want to be a part of it. If it doesn't line up with my schedule, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's, it's all about us. But Jesus said we got to enter in by the narrow gate. Because he says in Matthew 16 and 24 through 26, he says to his disciples, he says, if, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what did he say? Follow me. For whoever desires to lose, to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, whoever gives up his life for my sake will find it. Giving up your life. That's what, living for, that's what being a Christian is, is giving up, giving up our life for, the, for, for Christ's sake. Giving up 
the things that we want to do, you know, uh, for, for the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, we could, do, we could do many other things, but it's a sacrifice that we, that we make because we realize it's not for us, but it's for him. It's for the kingdom. So I got I to gotta put my desires aside. I got I to gotta gotta lay, lay aside what I want and, and, and what I want to do and, 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 and sometimes where I want to go just because of the kingdom. But that's okay. That's the narrow gate. Because he said you have to run in through that gate. And so what profit is it to a man? What profit? Is it to us if we gain everything in the world, but we lose our soul? What profit is it, really? You think about all the money that some of these people have today, billions of dollars, billions of dollars. What good is it going to do them in the end? What good is it going to do them in the end? If somebody said, I never saw... A, 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 a bank truck behind a hearse. Because it doesn't really matter what we gain in this life. It doesn't matter what we gain in this life. But it does matter what we gain in eternity. It matters. So Noah and his family decided to forsake the way the rest of the world was living. They decided they weren't going to, they weren't going to, they, they decided to forsake that. And they decided they was going to trust God and they was going to walk with God and they were going to desire of God the things that God wanted them to do. So they desired, decided to walk with God. And so... In Genesis 6 and 5, when, when the Lord, the Bible said, when the Lord saw that the wickedness, wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. Just think about it. I don't know how many people, they said, I, I heard, uh, I was reading something and I heard, a, I guess a scholar, a Bible scholar, said that even during the time of Noah, because people lived so long, they was living, you know, long lives. It was about 8 billion, 6 or Six to seven billion people on the, on the face of the earth at that particular time. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what one of the scholars was saying. But just imagine six billion people. If that were six billion people or, or three billion people on the face of the earth during the time of Noah, that Noah and his family was the only light that shined. The only light that shined for God. You see, that's why the Bible tells us, let our light so shine. Can you imagine? Noah and his family were the only light that shined. If that was six billion people or however many million people on the earth, but they were the only ones. Jesus says to, to all of us who are followers of Christ, he says to all of us, he said, let your light shine. He said, we're the light of the world. Amongst all the confusion that we have in our world, 
amongst all the lawlessness that we have in our world, all the destruction that we have in our world, all the things that are going on in our world, we need to still be that light. Still be that light that shine. Be that light that shine. So Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wherever you go, let your light shine. You know, if you're apostolic, you always be apostolic. No matter where you go. Ladies, you're apostolic. When you're out in, you know, when you're at home, you're apostolic at home. When you go out in the street, you're still apostolic. Because you never know who's going to see you or who you're going to run into. Men, you, you always, when you're apostolic, you always be apostolic. Because you never know who's going to see you. You don't, you don't, you know, never know who you're going to, who's looking at you, who's going to, who you're going to run into. But you let your light shine. You know, you stand up, stand up for God. Stand up for, for God. Don't let nobody trash the name of Jesus. Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. But you stand up for, for the word. Tell them all the time, look, <clears throat> I need God. You may not need God like I do, but I need him. You see, because I know what he done for me. I know that he changed my life. You know, I need him. So stand up for, for stand up for God. Don't don't let people trash trash the name of Jesus. Stand up for him. You know, God will give you wisdom. One of my prayers have always been, Lord, don't let me be made ashamed by the wicked. Give me, give me some wisdom. Give me some wisdom, some insight to know what to say and how to say it. You know, because I always say, I have a saying when people get to talking, and I say, why is something so good considered so bad? You tell me. And I know that he's good because he changed, he's good to me. I know he's good because he changed my life. I know he's good because there's other people in here. There's all of you. He changed. So why is something so good is considered so bad? You see, because I have an answer for the world. If the world would just get Jesus and give their life to Jesus, the world would be a better place to live. You see, if we had an opportunity, if I had an opportunity, I would love to put the JSO out of business. This happened to me this, when we had our, uh, at an outreach center down at Mayport. This has been years ago, and, and it was myself, and I, I don't forget who was with me. We was out witnessing where we take passing out tracks, knocking on doors. And someone called, uh, called JSO on us saying that we were soliciting. And so JSO came up and pulled up and began to talk to us. He said, I, I got a call that 
that you all is out here trying to solicit. And I said, I said, excuse me, sir. I said, no, we're not. So I said, all we're doing is, I said, really, sir, what I'm trying to do is put you out of business. Trying to get people saved. Because I know if we can get people to, to, to accept, if believe in the Lord, their lives will be changed. You see, that's the problem that we have is that, see, they don't know. We, we, we can put, we, can, we, we, we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus. So he said, I am the light of the world. And who, who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. In Genesis 7, 2, I'm going to hurry up. God said to Noah, he said, you, say, you shall take with, with you seven, each of every clean animal, male and female, to each, to each of animals that are clean, and a male and his female. Take seven of every clean animal and two each of unclean animals. When you, you, if you go into the book of Leviticus, God defines about what's, what's clean and unclean. God is the one that put a distinction between, between what we call clean and unclean. God is the one that set the, the standards for that. God is the one that set the standards for what is right and what's not right. Why is I'm saying all of this? I'm here to let you know that no matter what man says, no matter what man may do to try to change things, he can't change what God says is set. God is the one who put a distinction between clean and unclean. God determines what is clean and unclean. He also determines what is right and that which is not right. No matter how man wants to, no matter how much he tries to change what God calls good, uh, uh, he cannot change it. He cannot change it. Because God is the one that determines. And we see that when he put, you see also we see for the purpose of reproduction, God made sure that Noah brought aboard a male and a female for reproduction purposes. God, the Bible says God is true and every man is a what? Liar. God is true and every man is a liar. But we live in a world today where a man is trying to make God out of, to be a lie. But God does not lie. God is not a man that he should lie. In Genesis 7, 4, we see here that the grace of God is about to come to an end for the people of Noah's day. Now, God had extended grace even uh, up until that time. And then that was, he told Noah, he said, for after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth. 40 days and 40 nights. And he said, I will, I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. For after seven more days. So here God is even then is extending grace. God has an abundance of grace. You see, God is always abounding in mercy and grace. Because he said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That has always been God's purpose and God's desire 
ever since the fall of Adam is to bring man back into the righteous fellowship with himself. That's always been God's desire. Even, even during the time of Noah, God, he was he'd given them some time, given them space to repent. Because God didn't come to take life. He came to give life. The thing that happened because of the wickedness of, of mankind during the time of Noah, what happened was the people, what really happened was they turned their back on God. In a world, I want to say this, a world in a nation that turns their back on God is prone for destruction. A nation in a world that turns their back on God is prone for destruction. Yeah. And so, I believe that when the Lord saw the wickedness that man was great, in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, he says that when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of, of their hearts was even only continuously, then man did not leave God a, ch a choice. They didn't give God a choice. And so it was because it wasn't, it was it's because of them, them, themselves, because of themselves. They didn't leave God a, cho a choice. Won't you stand with me as I get ready to close? So Genesis 7 and 7 says this. So Noah with his sons, his wives and his son wives, they went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Because of the flood, they went into the ark. The ark was, as I said, was a safe place. It was a place of protection. It was the only solid ground that Noah and his family had. The only solid ground. Just like the church. That's why, I, it's, that's why it's so important. And we can't ever emphasize it enough. It's, it's important to be in the house of God when you can be in the house of God. It's so important <clears throat> be in a place that you can be safe being with God that you can be safe so what saved Noah and his family was the ark they did all the work but we know works don't save us no matter how many works we do no matter how many good works we do it doesn't save us what saves us is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as the Bible says that 
who are saved by repenting of our sins, the turning, the turning away of our sin, turning from our sins, turning from our wrongness, wrong way of living, our wrong life. And that is considered dying out because when you repent, that means you died to whatever it is that's keeping you from God. You died to that. You put that aside. You bury that. You bury that old life. And then you're baptized. It's considered buried. You're buried in water. You're buried with Christ. We're buried with him through water baptism. And we are risen with him by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. If anybody ever tell you what is the gospel, the gospel is about the death, the burial, and the resurrections of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And so when you repent, you die. And when you're baptized, in Jesus' name, you're buried. And then when you get the Holy Ghost, you're risen to the newness of life. That's the gospel. So if you have never uh, repented, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, if you never had received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then you have not yet received the gospel. You have not yet received the gospel. But it's only when you do those, those three things, then you, re you receive the gospel. It's not, it's not something I'm, that I'm saying. It's not something that I, that I made up. Uh, it's all in here. It's all in the Word. And it's the Word of God. So this altar is open. We're going to come. I want you to encourage you to come in the ark. If you're not in the ark, get in the ark. If you haven't yet made up your mind that you want to be faithful to God, you need to make your mind up that you need to be faithful for God. That you're going to serve Him and that you're going to live your life for Him. This altar is open and we're going to pray this morning. Lord God, as, as we come this morning, we come. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And God, we're so thankful that you open our eyes to see and realize that we need you and that we need to be in church we need to be in the house of God we need to be in fellowship with you and also in fellowship with others that believe just like we believe, like mindedness and God I pray that you will give us the strength to be able to walk with you no matter how dark this world may be help us to be a light, help us to be strong in you God God, help us to, to be strong and stand for you, Lord. And I pray, God, that those who yet have not yet known you, that they will come to know you. I pray, God, that th those right now that are struggling with themselves, struggling inside of themselves about life and about what direction to take and what to do, God, I know that you have the answer because you have the answer to life problem because you say you are the life and that you are the way and you are the truth. And so, God, we thank you today, God. And God, help us to, as a church 
to continue to be strong, to be united in one, in one mind, in one accord. And God, I just ask you, Lord, to help us, give us wisdom to reach those that need to be reached. Help us to disciple those that need to be discipled. Oh, God, help us. Help us to always be kingdom-minded. It's not always about us, but it's about your kingdom and about you. Help us, God. Strengthen us, God. Build us up, God, for we're torn down. Strengthen us while we're weak. Oh, God, we just continue to pray for revival for this, for this city and for this nation. And we need revival in our own lives. God, help us. And we want to give you all the glory and all the praise, God. Bless our pastors. Keep our pastors. Strengthen our pastors. Bless this church, Lord. We give you the glory in Jesus' name.